through it. All right. Go to, Gen go to Genesis 50. We're going to get there. Um, yeah, Joseph as a type of Christ. I don't know, I guess, the, I, I mean, you know, you'd read different books and come across different things and people might, I don't know if they argue, uh, maybe just have difference of uh, either calculations or the way they might apply it as to how many types that, that uh, he matches Christ in. But I have 116, that's what we'll land on. Um, and Doc always, I always remember him saying 152. Or he would quote, you know, say that about some other books that he's read. Maybe he said he couldn't find that many himself. Nevertheless, it's mathematically impossible what you're what you're looking at here. Um, that that this man's life would match Christ's in the way that it does, without divine intervention. And of course, you know, around here we tend to take that for granted, as we should. Amen. Amen. Um, but. The world certainly doesn't, and um, you know, so that's just kind of one of those things that uh, that's that's God making foolish the wisdom of this world. You know, things like like uh, Einstein or whoever it was, you know, saying I cannot believe in a God who's not a mathematical equation. Well, there's there's enough things in this book that are mathematically impossible that if you'd have got in here and and applied the math to them, he'd have seen just exactly what he was denying. Now he has, right? And I don't know, uh, you know, a lot about the life of Einstein, and so maybe there was a, a point at which he trusted Christ as his Savior. I'm not sure. Uh, if, if he didn't, um, he died and went to hell. That's what he did if he, if he didn't trust Christ. And uh, that goes for anybody on the face of this planet. I don't care what they accomplish. I don't care what kind of heights they would reach to. I don't care what kind of life they might have lived, what kind of a person they might have been. Uh, that, that famous message preached by Doc, you know, five, five surprises in hell. And one of them is, 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 the, is that there's going to be a whole bunch of good people there. And I put, I put good people in quotations because the Bible says there's none good, no, not one. And that all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And so when a man tries to make it to heaven by being good, he doesn't make it. Because you can't be good enough to get to heaven. You can trust Jesus Christ because he's the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by him. And so what we saw when we looked at the life of Joseph is how that the, the Lord just took this man and he made him match his son and just... Well, in this case, 116 particulars. Um, we'll come to the last chapter here. There's not a great deal of verses to look at. It's one of those chapters where we'll pick a couple of things out, and I'm going to spend a little bit of time uh, kind of on, on one or two early verses, and then we'll kind of more or less make our way to the end. But um, why don't we pray before we get going here? Father, just commit this time to you. Thank you that we can be together. Thank you that we can sing. Uh, and Lord, you've put a new song in our heart. Thank you for what it does for our souls and, and uh, just strengthens and, and imparts a, a blessing and reminds us of things, Lord, that you've told us. And uh, Lord, just thank you, Father, for your promises and pray that tonight you'd have free course. Pray that tonight you'd, you'd lead and that you'd be able to just 
just do whatever you want in here, Lord. And um, Lord, we love you. We love you because you first loved us. Thank you for this wonderful book. Help us to know uh, more about it, and in knowing more about it, we'll know more about you, and thank you for lighting our pathway. And I pray that you would continue to do so until, until, the, uh, until the day when you show up. And uh, we pray it all and ask it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and read a little bit because you need the context. Otherwise, it, this one will be kind of, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a slider a little bit, you know. You got to be ready for anything when you're in the batter's box. Hello? You never know what's coming. Brother Millar and I were talking about that this week. You know, there, there's, uh, there's books on it and there's, there's science on it, you know, that it's technically it should be it should be humanly impossible to hit a hundred mile an hour fastball it's it's coming too fast uh the 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 calculations that need to go on to be able to swing the bat and put it in the right place it just shouldn't happen the way it happens and they talk about how the the best batters get to the place where they're reading where the ball is coming all the way off of the pitcher's hand and they're reading the most subtle movements to tell, you know, and, and, and you just, it's, it's amazing that way. Now, so why do you say all that? Sometimes it's that way you're trying to get something in church, a little bit, you know what I mean? <laughs> like if I don't, you know, set it up right at all, it's like it's only, it's a miracle of God that, that you would get anything from it. Because it's just, you know, coming either, you know, too fast or just, you know, it's kind of a spitball, you know what I mean? <laughs> Um, but we'll, we'll lay out the context and that way maybe you'll have a little better chance of, of getting where I'm going um, when we grab this, this statement that's made here. Look at verse 1, Genesis 50, look at verse 1. And Joseph fell upon his father's face and wept upon him and kissed him. Uh, Joseph's getting ready to die, of course, here. He's just blessed uh, Joseph's sons and and I won't go back all through that, but that, that's what's going on. And Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father. And the physicians embalmed Israel. And so it, I know you know this. Israel is synonymous with Jacob. And so, you know, don't, don't you know, you say, well, who's this? Who's this? You know, well, if, if you sometimes I take things for granted that I shouldn't take for granted. OK, and so that, that's 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 Jacob. Uh, verse three and 40 days were fulfilled for him. For so are fulfilled the days of those which are embalmed. And the Egyptians mourned for him, threescore and ten days. Uh, and, when, and when the days of his mourning were past, Joseph spake unto the house of Pharaoh, saying, If now I have found grace in your eyes, speak, I pray you, in the ears of Pharaoh, saying, My father made me swear, saying, Lo, I die in my grave, which I have digged for me in the land of Canaan. Um, there shalt thou bury me. Now therefore let me go up, I pray thee, and bury my father, and I will come again. And Pharaoh said, Go up, and bury thy father according as he made thee swear. And Joseph went up to bury his father. And with him went up all the servants of Pharaoh, and the elders of the house, uh, the elders of the house, and all the elders of the land of Egypt, and all the house of Joseph, and all his and his brethren, and his father's house, only their little ones and their flocks and their herds they left there in the land they left in the land of Goshen. And there went up with him both chariots and horsemen, and it was a very great company. And they came uh, to the threshing floor of Atad, which is beyond, beyond Jordan. And there they mourned with a, great mourn, uh, with, a, with a great and very sore lamentation. And he made a mourning for his father 
seven days. So this thing has been going on for months and months, right? Big deal. Um, I, I may say a little bit more about this in a, in a minute, but we've just, we've lost, Americans almost don't have a culture. We almost don't. We treat death very strange. I think it's, uh, it has a lot to do with just, you know, man's afraid of it, <laughs> you know? But, um, but the fact of the matter is when you read history, you know, and these especially, uh, you know, in connection with the scripture, uh, there was a great mourning. And, 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 and anytime there was a great man, what, and what's interesting is that really they're making him a great man because of Joseph. Jacob wasn't all that great of a man in the land of Egypt, right? Um, he wouldn't have meant anything to the Egyptians, were it not for Joseph, right? So just thinking about some of these things, you know, but it's been, it's, it was 70 days of mourning there and, and, and then plus whatever days in between and then uh, all the travel days, whatever it took for it to get from Egypt to the land of Canaan, right? By donkey, <laughs> right? However long that took and then they get there and there's another seven days and so it's a big deal, and there's an interesting statement made, and I wanted you to think about this statement a little bit because it just kind of stuck out to me. It rung, it rung when, I, when I read it. So you got the context, you got what they're doing, you got what they're down there doing, and it's a great and a very sore lamentation, and he made a mourning for his father seven days. Verse 11, And when the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, saw the mourning in the floor of Atad, they said, this is a grievous mourning to the Egyptians. Wherefore, the name of it was called Abel Mitzrayim, which is beyond Jordan. Now, look, I, I, I'm going to have to, you're going to give me a little bit of space here, because I know, I understand, I get it, there are Egyptians with them. They took Egyptians with them, right? They... they for whatever reason, the elders went up and a whole bunch of Egyptians went. So there are Egyptians there, right? But he said, it's a very grievous morning to the Egyptians. Well, is, is Israel an Egyptian? Is Joseph an Egyptian? Is his brother an Egyptian? Mm -mm. But they, they look like them. You know, now, now I don't know, you know, I didn't try to put the context and how long they've been down there and what, you know, what would have Joseph's brethren uh, by this time been, been dressing like. Joseph looks so much like an Egyptian when, when his brethren see him, they don't even know. They can't even recognize his, his face. He looks so much like an Egyptian. And I understand, you know, a lot of time went on. But their own brother, they see him many times face to face. They, they just, just, and you say, what are you getting at? Well, things aren't always what they appear, are they? They're certainly not always what they appear like to the world, right? Because the Canaanites are just looking over there, they're watching on, and they're saying, well, this is a, this is a, they, they, it's such a big deal. Whatever the thing was, they named the place after this. Like, that's a big deal, right? He says, um, he says, and when the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, saw the morning in the floor of Atad, they said, this is a grievous morning, unto uh, to the Egyptians, wherefore the name of it is called Abel Mitzrayim. That means the mourning of the Egyptians. So it's a, it's a big deal. They called it that from there on out. Abel Mitzrayim. You say, okay, well, well, okay, what? 
Well, okay, go to John 17. Sometimes, sometimes I think we lose sight of this, that things aren't always what they appear. Sometimes, sometimes I think if we're not careful, we'll get kind of, and, and look, I'm, 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 please don't take this the wrong way, but we'll get looking and acting and walking and talking and being like the Egyptians to where as the world looks on, they just kind of not see things for what they should see them, the way that they should see them, right? Um, it's such an important thing that Christ prays for it in the garden here uh, w w with His Father at the end of His life. And John 17, this is the real Lord's Prayer. We know, we know that, if you're familiar with your Bible. But... Mm, begin to read with me a little bit. Read, read and kind of, I, I think this thing will start to come together and kind of, kind of uh, I, hope, I hope we'll be able to kind of dovetail this thing in. Look, uh, down here, Jesus Christ, he was a man of sorrows. He was acquainted with grief. Was he not? Yeah, that's what, that's what it says about him in Isaiah 53. And, and I'm not saying he wasn't that. He, he was that. That's what he was, Right? Yeah. Okay. This is a very grievous morning. Yeah, okay, yeah, right now, right now it might be. And I'm not saying they weren't grieving. They were grieving, were they not? They were grieving. It was misinterpreted and it was misread. They couldn't see it for what it was. If you're not careful, you'll lose sight of it. The Lord was concerned about that for you. You get your eyes down here, looking down here, and get so... If any Christian ever had any kind of trouble, it's that they get their roots too down, too down deep in this world. I don't care how you want to apply that. You want to apply that to your dress? You want to apply it to your music and those kind of things? Apply it that way. You just want to apply it to your heart. You'll begin to talk like them. And take interest in the things they're interested in. You're to be strange different stick out like a sore thumb and I don't know any other way to say it other than frankly no one no one should mistake you for somebody of the world and I'm going to make that typology there okay right so I don't have anything against Egyptians Egypt in the in the Bible's a type of the world if you're unfamiliar with that okay Egypt in the world in the Bible is a type of the world we are not of the world, as we're going to read here. We're not of the world. And so the world, no matter who, who they are, doesn't matter what, what should never look at us and think, well, they're, they're of the world and they're mourning just like the world. Okay. John chapter 17. The thing I want you to grab is that things aren't always what they look like. That was a... That was a a it was a continual, reoccurring theme in the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ. Things weren't, what they, weren't, what, weren't always what they appeared. John 17, read, read some Bible with me. Look at verse 12, trying to explain something that the Bible will do a lot better job explaining on its own. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, 
I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. I, uh, and now I come to thee, and these things I speak in the world that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are what? Not of the world, even as I am what? Now, if you'd have asked anybody, anybody, just any average Joe walking down the road in Christ's day and in his time and the day he prayed this about his disciples or about himself, what do you think about me? Am I of the world? How would they have even, they wouldn't have known how to answer it, right? I'm not getting on, on, on the Canaanites necessarily for, for kind of not getting things right. Right? They're not, they're not going to see things for what they are always. But you and I ought to see them real clear. Hello? We ought to see them. We ought to, we ought to recognize it. We ought to know it. He says, uh, Because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Verse 15. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. Okay, well then that, that you know, throws over the guy that's going to go live out in the backside of the woods 500 miles away from everybody. He says, that's not what I, that isn't what I want you to do. I'm not going to take you out of the world. I'm not going to remove you from it all. But, I, but I am gonna, I am, I'm going to try to keep you from the evil. I pray that you'd be kept from the evil in it. Verse 16, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them. Sanctify them means set them apart through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So that's the unique thing that separates you. It's the word. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also, which shall, which shall believe on me through their word. Who's that? Okay. Right. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm glad it wasn't my wife. <laughs> oh. Neither pray I for these alone. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to just get through this. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them uh, which shall believe on me through their word. Who's that? That's you. That's you. Okay. Is there anything about you that isn't what it seems? Isn't what it appears? Yeah. Yeah. Like the most important thing. Like the most remarkable thing. Like the thing that you would do well to contemplate and think about every single day. And it's not, I'm not, I'm not, when I say it, you're going to be like, oh yeah, yeah, right, I do if anybody's still lost here. But he begins to pray about it. He says that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Now we could go, there's a lot of these things that we could go on a little bit, okay? But I want you to just tie in some of the threads yourself. Uh, they said, this is a great morning to the Egyptians. This is a, this is a, this is a terrible thing, and, and they're having a terrible time over there. Well, it looks, kind of looks that way. And from the outside looking in, a lot of times, just might look that way in your life. 
But things aren't always what they appear. Things aren't always what they appear. It wasn't a morning that Joseph or that uh, Israel died. Of course it was. Of course it was. Did he die the, the same way that regular men die? No. He wasn't saved like you and I are saved. Okay, I'll grant you that. But he, he was different. You're going to see him one day. You understand? Why? Because things aren't always what they appear. Amen. Keep going with me. Stay with me. Hang on with me. Um... Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. He says, I want to I show the world something with them and the glory eh, that they may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. End of verse 21. 22. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given, what does that say? Yeah. Them. That they may be one, even as we are one. I and them, and thou and me, that they may be made, what? Perfect in one. And that the world, he keeps on talking about that. I'm going to show the world something. I'm going to reveal to the world something. I'm going to, I'm going to set things straight. I'm going to make things, the, the things that look mm, one way, I'm going to clarify it. Amen. And he's going to use you to do it. He's going to do it himself. But I'm not stretching anything or making too much of anything when I say that he's going to use you to do it. That's exactly what he's praying right now. I pray for them that are going to believe on me through their word that we may be one and that I'm going to show the world something about myself when I reveal what, they're, what they really are. What they really are. You say, well, yeah, but that's down the road. Okay. Is that how I'm supposed to look at it? Let's just read on and see. I think a lot of times we get our eyes too affixed down here and, not, and, not, and not, not looking up, not looking ahead. He says, um, And that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, I'm in verse 24. I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am. This is the last prayer of Jesus Christ before he goes to the cross. You understand? That they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. And I have declared unto them thy name, and, I, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and what? And I in them. Come with me to First John. First John. So he's alluding to a glory in the future and to something that's going to be revealed, and that's the gospel of John, and the same writer gets over in First John, and he gets things just a little bit clearer for you. <laughs> So clear that if we would really get a hold of it, kind of you kind of come unglued, man. <laughs> I'm looking out here at a bunch of saved Christians. I know my crowd tonight. I don't know every single one of you, and I'm not saying every single one of you is saved. Coming to church doesn't make you saved. Trusting Christ makes you saved. But if you're saved, 
you're not, you're, you don't look anything like you're going to look one day. You don't appear anything, you don't appear, you don't appear anything like you're going to appear one day. None of us would recognize one another if he showed us what he's going to do with us and what we're going to be in him one day. Said so The world looked at it and said, this is a great, this is a, that doesn't look like a very good time over there. That looks like a grievous morning over there. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I kind of put it to you this way. You, you might have a tough time, you know, like I was talking at the beginning of the service this morning, you know, the Lord told you all the details of how the Christian life was going to go, right? If you were trying to go and witness that way and tell people, you know, well, you could get saved, and after you get saved, you know, you probably going to have a pretty tough time of it, and the Lord might take you through all kind of trials and all kind of tribulations and all kind of difficulties and, you know, hardships, and by the way, you're going to have a new enemy, and it'll be the devil himself, and uh, also the world's going to, you know, if you, if you begin to tell them all those things, be like, nah, I'm good, <laughs> you know, and they don't even want to, they don't even want to hear it when you tell them about the, the good news, the good news of the gospel, But you see, like Peter points out, the trial of your faith that looks real rough and negative and the world would look at it and think, well, why would you, why would you ever want to go endure anything like that? Why would, why would those people take their family over there to the other side of the backside of the wilderness out in the middle of Papua New Guinea and raise their kids out there and try to you know, go through all the hardships of that? Why, why, would, why would these Christians live their lives? Why would you want to go to church on a Sunday night? That looks like a grievous morning. Amen? That's the way the world looks at the thing. That's the way the world sees you. They look over there and they say, well, they look just like me, but it don't look like they're having a very good time. Well, I'm not just like them. And although there are hardships and there are sorrows in this life, they work a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And here, your trials turn to gold up there. <laughs> and your tears are kept in a bottle. Isn't that what he says about them? Yeah. Well, then he must care something amazing <laughs> about them. Amen? And there he's going to wipe them all away. You see, the, 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 the things that you're going through down here, if you're not careful, you'll lose sight of the fact that God's trying to bring forth something eternal in your life, and it's worth it in the end, Christian. You got it? I hope you got it. I know I'm stretching things a little bit, but I don't think too far, because, because at the end of Christ's life, here shows up something, you're at, at the end of Joseph's life, whichever way you want to put it, here comes kind of a thing that matches, and he says, well, well hold on, though. Don't, don't forget and don't ever lose sight of the fact that things aren't always like they look. Things aren't what they appear. They're not of this world. They're different. And I've got something for him. So what's the thing he's got for him? 1 John chapter 3. Just two verses there. You ought to be very familiar with them. Behold. Behold what? Behold what manner? <laughs> Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Well, that's a, that's a big deal, right? I mean, behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. I, 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 
the sons of God. Okay. Therefore the world knoweth us not. Because, therefore, so because of that, you don't fit anymore. The world doesn't know you anymore. Right? Therefore the world knoweth us not. Why? Because it knew him not. Didn't know him, not going to know you then. He was the son of God, you are a son of God. Get the distinction. Okay, but, but you're joint heirs with Christ. When you be just like him, you, you do not, look at what he says. Look at verse, 20, verse 2. Beloved, when? Down the road? Now. now. Right now. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet what? Doesn't look like it. You are. You are. But it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Look at 1 Thessalonians in chapter 4. We'll move off this point here. This was a grievous morning to the Egyptians. They looked at it, the world looked at it, and said, that doesn't look like a good time. <laughs> well, well, it's the greatest thing going on down on the face of the planet at the time. Amen. I'm not saying there weren't other things going on, but what was God interested in right there at that very moment? Right there at that time. You know what God had his eyes on? I don't care what else was going on. I don't care what Pharaoh was up to that day. I don't care what any leader of any other nation, of any other place, anywhere, anywhere was going on that day. This is what God was paying attention to. He was writing down the details of it. So that when Moses showed up, and I, I, I say these things tongue-in-cheek, not like God had to, you know, really think hard to remember. Any, but, but do you understand what I'm saying? You see, he's, he's watching you. He's paying attention to you. So all those big things going on in the world. Nah, I don't, if I know anything about the Lord, he doesn't care about those things. Those things aren't a big deal to him. He's got his eyes on his son. And his son's in you. And you're going to be like him one day. And it doesn't look like it yet. And it doesn't look like it right now. And he's going to take you through some things and you're going to cry some tears and you're going to go through some hardships and go through some difficulties and you're going to think, well, why does it have to look like this? This is a grievous morning. Well, yeah, right now, right now, kind of looks like that right now, but things aren't what they appear. And you gotta, you gotta, you're going to have to fight your flesh and trust his word to believe just what he's telling you about you and about what he's done in you and about what it's going to be like on the other side and about how that it's worth it to go through this veil of tears and this life of sorrows and this thing that looks like a grievous morning to the Egyptians or to the Canaanites rather. Um, where did I say go First Thessalonians? Just go over there for a minute. Stop off there on our way back. All right. First Thessalonians. I know we spent a lot of time there. I told you I was going to. Um, First Thessalonians in chapter four and look at verse 13. But I would not have you to be what? Ignorant. Ignorant. Now, I'm not, I don't mean to be you know, offensive at all or anything like that, but I would say this. A whole bunch of Christians are ignorant. Christians, I said. They're ignorant of what the Lord's doing right now, the things that are going on in their life. They trusted Christ one day, and we could go through all the reasons why they wouldn't have ever been fed with the sincere milk of the Word and had a little bit of understanding of what God's doing in their life. Right? 
Yeah, but a, but the, a lot of times a Christian can be ignorant of some things and go through hardships and not actually get what the Lord wanted them to get through the thing. Shouldn't be you and I, brethren. Amen. Amen. You ought to take your Bible and see and say, well, he made me a son of God and I'm going to have to walk the pathway that Christ walked and, and uh, in a sense... Because he said, if any man will follow me, let him take up his cross. And I did that, and I'm trying to do that daily, and I'm trying to die to the, the, the flesh and die to self daily. And, and I want to be more like Jesus, and because I want to be more like Jesus, well, guess what comes? Gossip. Right? Backstabbing. Suffering. Amen. Whatever. Negative things, right? Why? Because they came into his life. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then, which we are, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. When you know what the Lord's doing and you see what the Lord's doing, you can take comfort in even something as, as terrible as the, law, as, 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 as the loss of life. Right? Because, because it doesn't, it's not what it looks like. It's not what it looks like. I've been to a couple of funerals and I guess the last couple of years I'm going to say it that way. And, and uh, a Christian funeral is just a lot different than when you're not certain. Or when the people there have no idea what's going on. Right? Um, it's just a lot different. It's a blessing to know that things aren't what they appear. It's a challenge to remind yourself of it often and daily, right? And go, okay, all right, this hardship, this trial, um, it's not what it looks like. I'm going to take it as from, a, uh, as from my father. Back to, back to Genesis chapter 50. Okay, all right, all right. Things aren't always what they appear. This is a grievous morning to the Egyptians. Well, it looks like that. It looks like that, but it's A... They're not Egyptians. They're not of this world, first of all. Secondly, what they thought was going on wasn't going on, right? What they, what they perceived to be happening, even though they were mourning and even though they were sorrowing and even though it was hardship and they were going you know, through loss, suffering loss, they weren't sorrowing like everybody else was sorrowing. They had a blessed hope. And I, I, I know God has made that more clear to you, but they had the same hope you had that they'd see him again, that they'd be with him. God shall surely visit you, he says. One day you're going to be with, with me. They, they knew that. They, didn't, they just didn't understand it and have all the pieces that you have now. To whom much is given, much shall be required. You've been revealed more. The Lord probably take you through every bit as much, if not more. And put the, ta put the task to you and the challenge to you to, hey, remind yourself, one, one day, one day, one day things will appear like they... Not, our, not like they're going to be, like they are. Isn't that what First John said? Now are we the sons of God. It just doesn't yet appear that way. You still look like you're walking around and you've got the same 
flesh that you had before, but something happening, a seed has been planted. <laughs> so it's just a matter of time and birth. All right. All right, we're about out of time, and that's okay, because we don't, we don't need a whole lot of time to get through a couple other things that we're going to get through here. But look at verse 14. Look at verse 14. And Joseph returned into Egypt, he and his brethren. I love that. <laughs> you know what? Can I say this tonight? He's coming again. So who's coming with him? His brethren. Yeah, Joseph returned into Egypt, he and his brethren. I should have had you keep your finger there in 1 Thessalonians. Uh, and go, go ahead and turn back there. Wouldn't hurt you. Would it hurt you to turn all the way back to your Bible? Real hard, you know? You got to find 1 Thessalonians again. I'll try not to do that to you again, but we're going to go over to Zechariah. When you get to Zechariah, keep your finger in Zechariah, if I, even if I tell you to turn away, okay? All right. And then that way, if you turn away, then I, it's your fault, not mine. 1 Thessalonians in chapter 3. First uh, Thessalonians 3, to the end he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. What's it say? With all his saints. With all his Amen. Yeah, amen. I got one amen. Somebody, somebody's excited about coming back with the Lord. I'm excited about it. Look at Deuteronomy. It's not just one time in the Bible. Matter of fact, shows up several times. Matter of fact, I'm, I'm just, I'll show you three of them, but it shows, it shows up a whole bunch of times. Joseph returned into Egypt, he and his brethren. He's coming back. He's coming back the second time. He's coming back. The Look at he told you the world's going to say, where's the promise of his coming? They haven't even really got on that too hard yet. Not really. I mean, I know, I know it's been, you know, I know it's, you can dig around, you can find stuff on, you know, and, and honestly, it's almost not even, it's not even, it's regarded as a fairy tale more than it is anything. So you could take it in that sense, and I, I get that. I think there's going to be a spirit of it that comes on real strong. I think that's what's going to happen. Now, that's just opinion, so I could be completely off on that. But Deuteronomy in chapter 33, is that where we said go? Yeah. Or did I not say go? I just said Deuteronomy, yeah? 33. Look at verse 2. And he said, the Lord came from Sinai and rose up from Seir. He's giving you the path of the second advent right now. He's, he's giving you literally the actual return, the pathway of the return of Jesus Christ, just how he's going to come up, just where his feet are going to land. And we're not doing that study here tonight, but, uh, but that's what he's on, what he's alluding to as he comes through here. The Lord came from Sinai, rose up from Seir. Unto them he shined forth from Mount Paran. And he came with what? Ten thousands of saints. From his right hand went a fiery law for them. Shows up in Zechariah chapter 14. Might as well turn there because we're going to look there in one other verse anyway. So just turn over there. And keep your finger there when you get there. Keep, or keep a little marker there. We'll make another point and we'll come back. Zechariah. One or two other little points to make and close, out, close, this, close this whole study out. Zechariah chapter 14. And uh, grab verse 5. Zechariah 14, 5. Uh, now, when you get into, into these prophets, okay, particularly the minor prophets, and you begin to see that day, that day, that day, you've got it in, uh, oh, well, I think I'm trying to look back and see if it shows up in verses 1 through 3, maybe it doesn't, but verse 4 there, and his feet shall stand in what? That day, that's, that's talking about the second advent, the day when he 
sets foot on the earth again, okay? Generally, okay? So just, just you know, kind of bear with me in some of this stuff. You make a real dogmatic statement like it's always a second advent, and be careful with that. But when you see the, the phrase, that day, it ought to at least, the first thing that ought to come into your mind is second advent, okay? Second advent's different than the rapture, okay? Rapture, we meet the Lord in the, in the air, we leave. We go up and we meet him in the clouds. Second advent, his feet are on the ground. When his feet hit the ground, the earth busts in half almost. It, the mountains cleave uh, uh, in two. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives. Okay? Look at verse 5. Uh, and it's telling you about that, that uh, the, shall cleave in the midst thereof. Verse 5. And ye shall flee to the valley of the mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach to Azel, Yea, ye shall flee like as ye fled from before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, and the Lord, my God, shall come, and all the saints, all the saints with thee, and it shall come to pass in that day. What are we talking about? We're talking about second advent. Second advent. And so, at the end of Joseph's life, what do you got? And Joseph returned to Egypt, he and his brethren. Let's grab one or two more. I'm back in Genesis 50. Keep your finger there in Zechariah. Keep your finger there in Zechariah. Uh, we're going to come right back. Um, read a few verses. Look at verse 17. Oh, you bet, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You kind of need 15 just to get the context, especially if you don't know the story. Look at 15. And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. Well, that's not unfounded thoughts, right? <laughs> you know, uh, what they're, what, what's going on there is he's, he's, you know, he's betrayed them, right? Uh, or they betrayed him, right? He's betrayed them. They betrayed him, and uh, they're thinking, well, now that, now that dad's dead, maybe he was just kind of, you know, didn't want to upset dad while dad was still alive, and, you know, he's got the power to do whatever he wants. He's second in command down in Egypt. I mean... You know, he could just he could just kill us, throw us in prison. You know, get us back. There are a lot of things you could say about this. Um, depending on what life was like before the Lord, or maybe I'll say after the Lord. A lot of folks are wired to just carry around a real heavy, burdened-down conscience. Clearly they have. Right? Look, we can go back and I can point out to you, they've already, they've already settled this thing. They've wept. They've cried. They've said sorry. This is done. This is done. Do you ever have something you just can't forget? What are we learning here right, right now? We're about to see. About to see that the, that the Lord, when he said, you're forgiven, you're forgiven. And so I, I, don't try, I try not to get too much on this psychology stuff, but there's a great deal of truth to this. Please, please forgive me, okay? I don't want to say forgiving yourself. It, it's not really that. It's accepting that the Lord has forgiven you, okay? 
And so it's not, it's not a, it's not a forgiving yourself, but it, but, but sometimes it kind of needs to be put that way to us to kind of, to kind of wake you up and help you to see that, hey, under the blood means under the blood. Yeah. Forgiven means forgiven. Forgi- as far as the east is from the west, hath he removed our iniquities from us. Now, look, I'm not talking about a Christian that just goes on through life and just keeps on sinning. You'll have a heavy conscience if you ought to. <laughs> and you need one. And he, gave it, he, need, he left it there and he wants it there. I'm talking about something that happened in the rearview mirror and you owned it and the Lord dealt with you and we've already been all through that how the Lord deals with a sinner and pins him down and wrestles with him and finally gets him to acknowledge what he did and admit it and then get it right and, all, and the restoration that we, we, we've already been through all of that right? they're going back there back to something that, that's been settled and taken care of and they're, they're going to they're gonna kind of let it drag them down through the rest of their Christian life if you will See, does that go on? It goes on all the time. It goes on all the time. It goes on all the time. And I think it's a real grievance to the Lord. I, I think, you know, look, our flesh is so feeble and it's so weak and our minds are so, they're just weak. We are just weakness, okay? But that's what's, that's what's going on. He'll requite us, with, uh, you know, all the evil which we did unto him. Verse 16, And they sent a messenger to, unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall ye say unto Joseph, Forgive. That's the first time it shows up. First mention of forgive is, is, is some sinners. Yeah. Who did their brother wrong. Yeah. Coming to him and saying, Please. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. I, I, I will say this. Uh, there's a point at which you're doing despite or you're, you're, you're kind of... Well, you're just flat out doing wrong if you keep asking him to, for, to forgive you of something that he's already forgiven you for. Amen? No, I'm not saying... I'm not talking about, you know, if you did it again. <laughs> if you did it again... You need forgiveness again, right? But that's to restore and maintain fellowship. Okay, we don't have time. I don't have time to you know unpack everything here tonight. So if you got questions about some of the things I'm saying, please ask. Um, yeah. He says, uh, "Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin, for they did unto thee evil." And now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake to him. Spake unto him. He, he didn't see this coming, is the indication. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we be thy servants. <laughs> and Joseph said unto them, Fear not. For am I in the place of God? But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. Now therefore, fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. He says, I, I, meant, I meant it when I said I forgive you. I wasn't putting on for dad. I wasn't putting on for anything. I, re- I really saw the hand of God all the way through my life. God really did mean it for good. And I have, I have no vengeance. I'm not trying to get you back. 
forgive you. Forgive you. Uh, It's the devil that wants you to carry around a heavy, guilty conscience all the time for things that the Lord has already forgiven you for. Okay? And and your flesh will work very well hand in hand with the devil. You say, well, all these years and all this time. Yeah, I I, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Look, uh, where where it bothers you, you know, take it to the Lord. And, and talk to him about it, but there's a certain point, at a certain point, you need to just, you need to just thank God for the blood. Amen. And thank God that you have a means whereby you don't have to, to torture yourself all of your life long, whether that's mentally or emotionally, or all kind of crazy things we come up with in our minds, like we're going to you know, pay penance for something. You can't pay for a single one of your sins. Amen. He paid for them all at Calvary. When he said it is finished, it is finished. Yeah. You leave it there. Keep it there. Now again, we're not, we're not talking about daily things and things that, that need to be taken care of. Those need to be brought before the Lord and put under the blood. Okay? We're talking about something He's taken care of in the past. All right. Uh, grab just one or two with this with this, because you need to see this is good stuff. Look at, look at Zechariah 12. Zechariah 12. Little one other verse. Um, make one other thought. Close this thing out. Okay. Zechariah 12. Look at this. Look at verse 10. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications, and they shall look upon me, whom they have what? Okay. You say, well, Jesus Christ wasn't God. Well, then who was he? <laughs> this is God. This is Jehovah God speaking. This is the Old Testament God speaking. He says, there's going to come a day when they shall look upon me, whom they have pierced. And they shall mourn for him as one that mourneth for his only son. And shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for her firstborn. For his firstborn, excuse me. In that, in that day shall there be a great mourning in Jerusalem. As the mourning of, I don't know how to say this, Hedad Drimon. In the valley of Megadon. Well, I, I'm not. I, I, there's no. I don't. We don't need to mess with that right now. In the future, in the future, he says they're going to see me, and when they see me, they're going to bawl their eyes out. They're going to weep. They're going to beg for forgiveness. Let me show you something. This is. I don't fully understand all of this. Jeremiah chapter 50. You can get out of Zechariah. You don't need anything there anymore. I don't fully understand the restoration of Israel nationally as a nation. Okay, maybe you do. Good, help me. Um, but there's 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 something that that God does uh, with his with his saints. Okay, that's we we talked about that. We looked at that. But then there's a restoration that takes place through the midst of the tribulation and and rolls over into the millennium, where. That's some of these people that he's talking about. They're not going to be saved by grace through faith like you and I are. Right? You're going to have people that, that, that went through this and saw this and took part in the restoration of, of Israel who, who don't have eternal security in the millennium. Okay? So, I don't, I, so some of this stuff I don't understand, but... but but, um, but look, at, look at chapter uh, 50 and look at verse 4. That, so I, I said that so that you have the context of what we're reading about here. 
because that's, this is the context. In Jeremiah, it's going back and forth all the time between historical things and prophetic things. All the time. All the time. Go, he'll, he'll, he'll say something that historically happened with Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar, and then all of a sudden you're like, wait, hold on. Are we still talking about what happened there? No, we're not. The Holy Spirit will do that to you as you read. So I don't understand this. He'll teach you a lot more than a lot of times we let on and admit. If you just read through there and say, Lord, I'm blind and I'm dumb and I can't get it, and you begin to read and he says, I'm not talking about history anymore. I'm talking about the future now. Well, good. Pay attention to it, okay? Verse 4, in those days and in that time, saith the Lord, the children of Israel shall come. Future days, right? Yeah. They, uh, they and the children of Judah together going and what? Weeping. Uh, going and weeping, they shall go and seek the Lord their God. They shall ask the way to Zion with their faces thitherward, saying, Come, let us join ourselves to the Lord in a perpetual covenant that shall not be what? Yeah. My people hath been lost sheep. Their shepherds have caused them to go astray. They have turned them away on the mountains. They have gone from mountain to hill. They have forgotten their resting place. All that found them have devoured them, and their adversaries said, We offend not, because they have sinned against the Lord. Do you get that? You can apply that to so many places in history. Every single place the Jews ever been dispersed and ever been cast abroad, they've been persecuted. And for, for whatever reason, the whole world turns a blind eye to it. It's going on right now. You say, oh, old Bible, old antiquated Bible. It'll be in the news tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Big old deal going on at Harvard about it right now. This thing right here that we just read about is why the, the whatever you call him, what do you call him, the dean, the, the president? Yeah, stepped down. Because of that. So I didn't know that. Well, I know, but now you know. <laughs> we offend not because, we, because they have sinned. They're, they're bad people. So it's not that we didn't do anything wrong. It's not what we did to them or what we say somebody else should do to them. We're the good guys. They're the bad guys. Okay. All right. We offend not because they have sinned against the Lord and the habitation of justice, even the Lord, the hope of their, uh, the hope of their fathers. Okay. Verse 19. And I will bring Israel again. To his habitation. Fast forwarded into the future again. And he shall feed on Carmel and Bashan, and his soul shall be satisfied upon Mount Ephraim and Gilead. In those days and in that time, saith the Lord, the iniquity of Israel shall be what? Sought for. And there shall be what? No, that's future. That has not taken place yet. That hasn't happened yet. And there, and, and there shall be none. And the sins of Judah, they shall not be found. For I will pardon them whom I, what? Whom I, whom I reserve. They said, forgive us, forgive us. For, for, for what? For what? I don't, I don't see anything you've done. I've removed your iniquities as far as the east is from the west. I've forgiven you. It's all taken care of. Now, he does it through Calvary, and, and, but it's not the same as your salvation. Do you understand? This is a national restoration that we're talking about of his brethren. And you just get a picture of it at the end of Joseph's life. You understand? Where, it, where, where his brethren, Israel, comes and says, you've got to forgive us. We, we, I, we're, we're... It's 
going to take place in the future? Literally. Nationally. Okay. All right. Let's just grab the last verse there, and just and, and that, that's all there is. Genesis chapter 50, and uh, last like two or three verses, and we don't need to even go anywhere to, to make the point. Genesis 50, and... Um, uh, oh, yeah, he dwells in Egypt. He lives about another 110 years. And verse 24, And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die, and God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land, unto the land which he sware unto Abraham and Isaac and to Jacob. And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones hence. So Joseph died, being 110 years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt, Right? And so at the end of Jesus Christ's life, he tells the disciples very plainly. He says, I die. I'm going to die. And God's going to visit you. And I'm getting out of this coffin in Egypt. Amen. And what happens? They in the book of Acts, it shows up over and over again. God raised them from the dead. God showed up, and God raised them from the dead. And so he didn't stay in that coffin in Egypt. Amen. All right, 116 types of Christ. We got through them, all right? Father, Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. And pray that you bless your people and help them and strengthen them and help them to see, Father. Help them to see. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what you're going to take them through this week, what kind of trials or what kind of things might just look like a real grievous morning. Uh, Lord, if they'd see it the way that you want them to see it, they'd see that it's working for them a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And uh, Lord, uh, we're, n we're not to sorrow like they sorrow, and we're not to handle our problems the way that they handle them, and we're not to go through this life, uh, woe is me, and wondering why, why all this heaviness. Uh, Lord, we're to, we're to recognize that you're conforming us to the image of your dear son, and would you please help us to see that? Would you, by your grace, would you strengthen our hearts and our minds, Father? And... Uh, I thank you for all these things, and I thank you that you're going to come and get us, and I thank you that, Lord, uh, that we have total forgiveness, complete forgiveness of, of, of sins, and we've got a place to come and get cleaned up. And we love you. We pray all these things, and we ask them all in Jesus Christ's precious name. Amen. All right. All right. All right.